The following program is recorded content created by the Truth Network. It's Matt Slick Live. Matt is the founder and president of the Christian Apologetics Research Ministry, found online at CARM.org. When you have questions about Bible doctrines, turn to Matt Slick Live for answers. Taking your calls and responding to your questions at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Everybody, welcome to this show. It's me, Matt Slick. You're listening to Matt Slick Live. Today is uh, the last day of August, August 31st, 2023. Tomorrow, September 1st. So, hey, if you want to give me a call, all you got to do is dial 877-207-2276, and uh, then we can, we can blab. If you don't want to do that or you can't do that, uh, you can email me at info at carm.org, C-A-R-M dot O-R-G, info at carm.org. And um, you can put in a, uh, ask a question or a comment, just put radio question, radio comment uh, with a topic, and that'll be fine. All right. So we're being broadcast on uh, Discord in the CARM server. We're also in uh, Clubhouse and on StreamYard and Facebook and on um, Rumble. So I think also on YouTube. Yeah, we got a lot of stuff we're feeding out, so it's pretty good. All right. So, hey, <clears throat> I want you to give me a call. Boy, I got a lot of stuff going on. Now, tomorrow I will not be on the air live because I have to uh, fly out to uh, Pennsylvania. I'm going to be at a conference out there in Indiana, Pennsylvania. So that's what I'll be doing out there. And uh, sounds good. Sounds fun. I put it in the newsletter, and the information was there. So uh, that's that. All right. Hey, why don't you give me a call? 877-207-2276. And if you don't, what I'm going to do is get into some of the radio questions that are coming forth. Because uh, a lot of times the calls don't come into the, towards the uh, last half of the show, and that's fine. Someone says, I was having a conversation about whether the gods that the ancient Israelites Israelites worship the Balaam were real. There's a passage that says the gods that created the heavens and the earth do not exist because they're not gods. We use this with Mormons all the time, but today I can't find it. So uh, Deuteronomy 32, I think, is what we talked about with that after after show. I think it's where it was. But at any rate, there there are demonic forces that imitate being gods to different. Uh, different uh, religious groups like Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, Christadelphians, stuff like that, where what they do is they, if they're involved, I mean, if there is an actual uh, spiritual manifestation with a prophet or prophetess or or head group or whatever it is. Um, personally, I believe that there's demonic manifestations in the Vatican. I don't know... Uh, you know, I can't prove it, but I just suspect it because uh, of what the Vatican teaches, what the Catholic Church teaches, how evil uh, some of the stuff is it teaches, uh, the false doctrines. And so if there are any actual manifestations of something that claims to be the true God, it would be a, a, a demonic manifestation. And um, people, if they don't trust God's word, they don't believe in what God has stated then it'll be difficult for them to uh, discern truth from error because the Word of God is the final authority in everything it addresses. And what people often want to do is uh, doubt God's legitimacy. 
and they will doubt his word and they'll say they need a restoration they'll need a new prophet and and that's you know just believe it and, and people uh, people believe all kinds of stuff so you know I've said that what I could do is start a cult I'm never gonna do it but I could I could start something I could get a bunch of people and, and we could get 20 30 doctrines and cut them up put them into a hat and then randomly pick out five those are our five main doctrines and then create a cult and a website and people would end up following it because all you gotta do is defend it and people start believing stuff there there's just a a group of people that will believe most anything because they don't trust the word of God they just like the devil uh, says you know th did God really say in Je you know Genesis 3 speaking to Eve doubting the word of God you know so uh, cults do that they will lessen the word of God and exalt something else in order to justify their new theology the restored gospel whatever it is and it's pretty common it's a, it's a common thing among cults and there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them in, in America the dominant ones you, you know Mormons Jehovah's Witnesses Christian science unity uh, things like that those are Bible based Christian cults uh, and um, there's lots of them the way international is another one but at any rate so uh, the gods that, uh, the, or the well, ultimately the gods that they serve aren't real. You know, the god of Mormonism is not real. The god of Jehovah's Witnesses is not real. They're just figments of uh, people's imagination. Now, whether or not there are actual spiritual manifestations that represent those gods, two different people. I don't know. I have heard, uh, for example, I've heard uh, anecdotal stories of people in Mormon temples going through their rituals and. Aunt Martha, Uncle Joe, whoever it is, will appear and say, you're in the truth, you're in the right religion. And I've heard the stories about that. I haven't verified them, but uh, you know that, that's what I've heard from more than one source. There can be, uh, when you open, here's the thing, when you open yourself up to demonic, uh, pos uh, not possession, but sometimes possession, but oppression through occult means of worshiping a false god, believing in false things, false prophets, false this, false that, the door uh, to the occult it remains open and the demonic forces don't necessarily want to reveal themselves to you unless you get scared and uh, look for the truth so what they'll do is lay low and say yeah you're in the you're in the truth you are, are right you know, you you're good and and uh, whatever it is and they get this feeling and here's another thing is is uh, I'm just kind of going on putting all my experience of you know the years and years and years been doing this. It just reminds me of how many times I've talked to people in cults and they just feel that it's true. They just know it's true. And what I do is I just say, well, can you show me that truth in Scripture? And they can't do it. Uh, and they well, you know, sometimes they'll rip Scripture out of context to make it fit. But it's just so common that this is an occurrence. And so. Uh, it's pretty bad but anyway so these there aren't really not there's only one God there's only one true living God you know, Isaiah 43 44 and 45 talks about that there's only one true living God not created before and not created after God so if that's the case as it says in Galatians 4 8 when you did not know God you served by nature those which are not gods so they're like the God of Mormonism you know an exalted man from another planet that's not a real God it doesn't really exist it's a figment of Joseph Smith's imagination and uh, the God of Jehovah's Witnesses, which is a, a denial of the Trinity and one person instead of the Trinitarian essence, and Jesus is a created thing. 
uh, that's a false god also, just like the god of Islam is a false god. And there's ways to prove that about Islam too, that's false, that's easy to do. And so uh, there's just so much uh, you know, worth talking about. But at any rate, so uh, use it with Mormons, it says. And uh, I think, email goes on, I think it's in the trial of the false god which appears in First Kings 18, Isaiah 42, and somewhere else, but I'm not defining it. Yeah, we talked after the show yesterday about that, and we came up with some verses. I forgot which ones. But uh, Galatians 4, 8, 9. Oh, boy. Boy, you get a good yawn there. Uh, it definitely tells us that there are false gods. That, uh, in fact, where was that? In, in um, you know, maybe I can find that because because as I was looking, you know, in my Bible program, I can go back to see what uh, to see which ones. Oh, I didn't go back that far. See uh, what references I found. Any rate on stuff like that. So there you go with that. So there's that. That's a, a you know, nice little opening. Let's try this one. Uh, hello, friend. Can you please stop? Oh, Mr. You know, I get the same kind of stuff from people, and uh, they'll say it several times. It's been a lot of quite quite a time in the New Apostolic Reformation. Woo. He says he was raised in the Nazarene in the vineyard. Oh, in Meridian, Idaho. That's my next door neighbor city. Uh, part of the Nazarene Church. Uh, my senior pastor lost his first wife. Okay. So, uh, reading churches about abuse, that's right. The NAR is very self-centered. All they talk about are sin, signs, wonders, and miracles. Never talked about sin, salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Communion was rare, very little in the way of music ministry opportunities. Lack of real relationships and compassion for others, especially when tragedies takes place. Yeah, I, I consider the New Apostolic Reformation to be a narcissistic kind of a movement where people uh, go for emotional release and uh, experiential uh, verification they they don't really like i said you know it happens within protestantism as too as well is that they don't want to trust god's word for what it actually says they just don't want to do that i don't know why people don't want to do that you should trust god's word you should trust what it says you know it just to me it's just that's what you do okay you trust god's word but hey, you don't have to. People don't want to, right? Yeah. Anyway, let's get on the air here with Dave from Salt Lake City. Dave, welcome. You're on the air. Hey, Matt. Hi. Uh, question regarding um, taking up our cross, carrying it daily, uh, dedicating our lives to the Lord, while also managing, earning a living, providing for our family. Um, is there anything biblical that gives us specific guides on, like, obviously, like chasing after material wealth? We know it's all going to burn one day, right? So, and I know that through grace, we're not judged on, oh, well, you know, you're putting too much into making a living versus right serving the Lord. But is it everybody's individual, basically choices to where to strike that balance or is there a yeah. good guide well yeah you have to decide what you're going to do because you know let's just say there's different different kind of scenarios let's just say there's a single mom or a single dad and they are taking care of children and they have to work and do a lot of stuff and homework they don't have much time to evangelize they don't have any maybe any time at all maybe they might have one two three opportunities a year 
if that, well, that's okay. You know, they're doing what God's calling them to do at the that time, and that's to raise kids, for example, and be faithful and, and uh, true and do an honest day's work, and that's fine. You got to strike that balance. You got to decide what and how. I have the unusual privilege of being able to do this full time and be able to witness constantly, but that's not the norm. There are people who do it as a as a living. There's a there's hundreds of people who work uh, by faith and just all over the world, and they just preach the gospel. But normally, you got to raise a family, you got to pay the bills, and you got to find out how to balance that with uh, serving God. And raising a family and paying the bills is serving God, because everything that you do is uh, God ordained work and ministry. It's different kinds that we exist in so we're to do all those jobs with honesty and integrity and that's fine okay and you know i would in in your uh credit to your credit right that you don't have to do what you're doing the fact that you're able to make a living doing it at a standard of living that you're i guess satisfied or willing to live at right but you could easily go do something else and make more money as my point, right? So, you could. and I guess it's whatever is right for each individual. Absolutely. That's why sometimes people ask me questions, and I say, you know, well, I can't answer it for everybody. Uh, you know, it depends on you and God, and right. your relationship with God, the elders, uh, your circumstance, and you got to work it out. Right. You just seek wisdom and seek God. Hey, we got a break coming Absolutely. up. You want to hold? All right. Break. Yeah, I'll go. Thank you, Matt. God bless you. All right, man. God bless. That's Dave from Salt Lake City. Hey, folks, if you want, give me a call. We have uh, wide open lines, 877-207-2276. We'll be right back. It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Right, everybody, welcome back to the show. We have nobody waiting. If you want to get in line or start a line, all you got to do is call 877-207-2276, and um, we can talk. You can also email me at info at carm.org, info at carm.org, C-A-R-M dot O-R-G. You can do that. You know, I was reading the, uh, the, the email uh, from before the break. And one of the things that I've, I've noticed with a lot of the contemporary Protestant stuff, and I, you know, I'm Protestant, of course, but a lot of contemporary stuff with the worship is uh, there's something missing in it. And I've been pur- uh, purposely listening, and I'm going to bring it up and tell you what it is. And with the NAR, I'm seeing the same kind of a thing that is really bad. And so... In a lot of these praise songs, uh, they talk about being blessed and about God's spirit fall upon me and uh, more of you and things. And those are all nice, but I don't see or hear, I should say, any songs about, um, Lord, send me into the world. Lord, change me and send me. Because the Great Commission, which we're talking about, and the idea of, of going out into the, all the world to make disciples of all nations. This is what Jesus said to do. It's that, that was his command to his people. Now, I'm not knocking the idea of, of, of those kinds of 
songs and praise songs. I like them. But you note that Jesus didn't say, uh, go out in all the world and do really nice music about your relationship with God. It's not what he said, and I'm not saying it's not okay. I mean, it is okay to have those kind of songs, as long as they're biblically based. But when you just don't hear anything about um, about the cost of discipleship and the commission that Christ gave us specifically, and those things are not in the worship and the songs of praise in churches and the gatherings, Eh, that kind of tells me that that, uh, that as a whole something's wrong because we're supposed to be sent now a lot of people don't know this but the job of the pastor is to equip the Christians I think what I'm going to do is uh, is go to the scriptures here I'm going to read you something what the job of the pastor is in Ephesians chapter 4 and uh, it says here in verse 7 uh, but to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Okay, and he says, now this expression, he descended, what does it mean except that, well, excuse me, that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is himself also he who ascended far above all things so that he might fill all things and he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints and the work of the service uh, to the building of the body of Christ all right now um, so the reason we have apostles prophets evangelists pastors and teachers is because we that they are to work for the building of the body of Christ so here's a, a quick litmus test let's say you meet apostle so-and-so because i've encountered them on the web you know uh, you know at seven o'clock tonight uh, talk with apostle so-and-so talk with apostle bernard and you know and uh or prophet uh miriam will be on tonight you know prophetess and all this stuff and i'll say i'll oh, go and listen you know I, I could tackle them on that theology but you know listen and I just don't hear them being evangelical, being uh, mindful of the things of our sanctification as it relates to getting out there in the world. I don't, I don't hear it. You know, I just don't. So anyway, what's the purpose? Is to equip the the saints for the work of service. Equip the saints. That's uh, that's us. You see, the the hagioi, the the ones who are uh, redeemed in Christ. We are the ones, we're the saints for the work of service. That's what we're supposed to be doing. So the prophets, assuming the um, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, their job is to equip the Christians for the work of ministry. So if you go to church and you're sitting there, the question I'm going to ask, you know, and you can ask, is uh, are, are you being uh, trained for the work of ministry in the body of Christ? Whatever capacity that could be, serving in the kitchen downstairs and in, in the rec room of the under the church in the basement, is it outside cutting grass and helping people in the uh, their yards in the neighborhood, but the elderly, is it uh, going on a mission trip? Is it tithing? Is it whatever it is? Whatever it is, uh, that's what we're supposed to be doing. It, it, to preach that gospel. 
to get that out. Our job as Christians is not just to go to church and be babysat and be be nursed and then, um, you know, maybe put a tithe check in and then, uh, oh, excuse me, wow, got a lot of yawns today, sorry. Uh, you know, put a tithe check in and then go to a restaurant and uh, come back to church next week. Now, I'm not saying that every, you know, doesn't witness, of course, people do. But this is what we're supposed to be doing over the, over, overall. That's what our job is. As, as I'm a teacher, and uh, I would say a teacher, uh, that's what I would be. So I teach and try to equip Christians for the work of ministry so that they can understand what the truth is. And I'm delighted when I have people call me up and they say they learned this from the website or the radio show or whatever it is, and they went and they witnessed to that person or this person. I love to hear that. That, that is awesome to hear. Hey, we have four open lines. Why don't you give me a call, 877 Let's get to Alberto. Alberto, welcome. You're on the air. Yeah, good evening, Max. I had a question on Matthew chapter 9, verse 27. He said when Jesus departed from the from there, from the area when we, we raised the girl from she was dead. Wait, wait, wait. wait. I'm, I'm not understanding you. It's not a good, good my connection. My question is... Uh, Okay, okay, my question is, I said Matthew chapter 9, verse 27. Yes, I'm looking at it. Two blind men. Okay. Uh-huh. 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 So how could two blind men follow Jesus if they're blind? Well, they could follow them by having someone who is with them lead them. They could follow them by simply using a cane to tap on the ground as they walk towards the sound of the crowd following. They could do stuff like that easily. So, 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 so in other words, not, they weren't literally like behind Jesus walking. They were probably just following him from a distance, probably. Well, they were probably behind him because Jesus is walking forward and they hear uh, in the crowd and they knew it was him. They could tell. Maybe they had word earlier that he was coming through. Maybe some relatives were with them. Who knows? Uh, but it's not impossible. I, I did ministry with blind people for uh, two or three years when I was younger. They're quite capable. Blind people are quite capable of being able to do a lot of stuff. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, just two. That's not that they're blind. So I thought, you know, yeah, that would be a problem. Quick question, right? too. Mm-hmm. You know, some people say that uh, I think it's the first John. Can you hold on a minute? There's a break. Okay. Hold on, Alberto. Okay. Okay. Break. All right. We'll be right back, folks. After these messages with Alberto, if you want to give me a call, 877-207-2276. We'll be right back. Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. All right, everyone, welcome back to the show. We're at the bottom of the hour. And I just want to remind you I'll not be on the air live tomorrow. I'll be traveling to a conference. And, of course, Monday is a holiday. I'll be back on Lord Dwelling Live on Tuesday. All right, let's get back on with Alberto. You still there? Yes, sir, I'm right here. My question is... uh, a lot of people say that uh, the first John chapter five verse seven, in the Epistle of John, first John, they said that that verse uh, verse seven should, it should not supposed to have been there because that was probably added later on, centuries yes. later. 
It's called the Kama Jehenium. It's called the Kama Jehenium. It's in the King James, but it's not in um, more older manuscripts, Greek manuscripts. So there's debate about it. Yeah, the New King James has it too. Yeah, yeah. New King, yeah, New King James mm-hmm. has it too. So yeah. a lot of King James accuse the modern translation Bible that that they said that verses are missing. Yeah. If the op- if the opposite well, is true, that the different verses, are, different Bible verses were, were added. Verses yeah. were added throughout throughout the centuries. Yeah, that right. seems to be what the case is. At least with the, what's called the Comma Jehanium. That's what that that is. First John five seven. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. okay. All right. Thank you. All right, man. God bless. All right. Now let's get over to let's see Grant from Utah. Grant, welcome. You're on the air. How you doing, Dula Slick? I'm doing okay. I'm hanging in there, man. What do you got? Uh, my question is on uh, Isaiah 53, talking okay. about um, the stripes are healing us. Can you explain the correct translation? Because I hear a lot of people say, oh, look, God can heal us physically. And to me, it doesn't say that. Well, the yeah, they they use that a lot, the positive confession people do. It was crushed for our iniquities, chastening what fell upon him, because iniquity had fallen on, on us, uh, on him, it is. And uh, so I'm trying to find that verse where it says, uh, that exact verse right there, um, where it says, that he, yeah, he took our sorrows and acquainted with grief like the one he despised. He, uh, yeah, that's right. He, our griefs he bore, and our sorrows he carried away. And uh, he was smitten of God and afflicted, pierced through. So, um, the let's, I'm trying to remember because there's, uh, it's in Matthew eight. Oh boy, let's see if I can remember this verse. It's been so long. Yes, I found it. Matthew eight seventeen. For this was to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet. He himself took our infirmities, and carried away our diseases, and. So that's uh, that's uh, Isaiah fifty three four. So when they will bring this up to me, it's very rare that, that it happens anymore. But uh, they bring this up, I'll say it was quote, it was fulfilled in Matthew eight seventeen before the crucifixion. And that's what the Bible says in Matthew eight seventeen, and that really throws them for a loop because they haven't studied. So he was able to do this. He took our infirmities and carried away our diseases. And it's in the context of just healing people and demon-possessed stuff. It was fulfilled. He can certainly do that. Now, can he do it to people today? Of course, he can heal. And But it's not an obligatory thing that God has for us, which is what a lot of people like to say. Right. Okay. And the reason why I say that because uh, I'm I'm legally blind and I I have other ailments and, you know, I pray okay. that, you know, I'm not trying to be selfish, so to speak. You know, I just right. like to be healed, and uh, I want to be able sure. to read the Word of God with my own eyes. Yeah. And I struggle with that. So, yeah. and to me, what it really says to me is that He healed us between man and God, the healing between us. Yeah. That's but what it says what it, to me. I don't know. And, and that's 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 valid, okay? And it's a prophecy here showing that what Christ could do to demonstrate who he was. And it was fulfilled when he was walking on earth before the crucifixion. And so we can see, we can, that's Matthew 8, 17, and we can see 
that uh, that Isaiah 53 is prophetic of that. Now, one of the things here, I'm going to say something and get into this a little bit. It says in uh, Exodus 4.11, and I'll read this, is the context of Exodus 4.11 is Moses doesn't want to go talk to Pharaoh, and he's talking to God. He says, I'm not a good speaker, etc. And the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth, or who makes him mute, or deaf, or seeing, or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? When I show that to uh, the people every now and then, it it really shocks them. God does these kinds of things. I'm not saying it's your case. I'm just saying he does these kinds of things. We don't know the situations. We can't say that is or isn't. And so you're blind, and um, my wife, uh, she has uh, a very serious... uh, medical condition called Luis Dietz and more and more she's in a lot of pain and there's a lot of stuff with it heart surgery and open heart surgery and other surgeries she's had like 25 all right so I pray uh, basically every night I mean I forgot a couple three nights ago she's so tired she just went straight to bed we usually pray at night together but um, I pray every night and pray for her healing and I don't know why God doesn't heal and why doesn't heal you I don't have those answers mm-hmm. but the only thing I can come up with is whatever condition we're in that in that condition we're to to work with what he has ordained for us and praise him through it right. and it's yeah. easy for me to say it you know I mean I'm not blind I don't have all that pain of course I do have Asperger's and 80 decibel ringing in my ears which is nothing compared to what you and my wife are going through but we all want healings and God so frequently does not and I think it's because he wants us to endure through it it's a consequence of, of the sin in the world and then the redemption that to come is all the more glory, glorifying to him and wondrous to us so that's it yeah, I always always refer to um, Paul, take the stone mm-hmm. out of my side. Yeah. And the Lord says, you know, my grace is sufficient enough for you. That's right. And I, I look at it that way, and I, I go forward, and I'm thinking, hey, I'm still blind, yes, but right. I, I'm going to make the best out of it for God. Yeah. He says his power is perfected in weakness. This is the words, <clears throat> apparently, of Jesus himself to Paul. My grace is right. sufficient for you. Which is interesting because what does it mean when we say, you know, when God says his grace is sufficient for you? What does it mean? Right. You know, grace isn't a substance that's rubbed on your body to make you, you know, feel better. It's something that's occurring yeah. in you. And you're in a good position right. to tell people what that means, you know, how you handle it. Yeah. You are. Because we're only temporary here. Right. There, there's more after we fall asleep. Right. And yeah. it's like you, you always say you're talking about to die is gain. Right. So I, I look I look forward to that. No matter what I'm going through now, you know, it, it's worth mm-hmm. it. Right. It's worth what I'm going to be in my next life with Christ, man. I mean, that's mm-hmm. the amazing witness there to say, hey, yeah. I'm going to be with Christ for eternity. And and that's worth yeah. what I'm going through right now with 
whatever is going on with me, your wife, mm-hmm. you, other people. Mm-hmm. You know, if they know Christ, they got something more to gain than mm-hmm. what we are ailing through right now. That's right. And I, I just thank God that He's chosen me. In my prayers, I say thank you for choosing me because I have nothing to offer. He doesn't owe me anything. We don't owe him, you know. We, he already did a lot for us, and wow, that's amazing, a grace, they say. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, I, I, I pray for you and your wife occasionally, yeah. not, not every night, but that's okay. when I'm able to remember stuff. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. <clears throat> but praise yeah, God, though, anyways, you know. Yeah, it's just stuff we go through, and and for most of us, it's going to get worse and worse until you know the Lord lets us slip into His presence, and uh, we got to endure through it. Um, but my poor wife, yep. oh my goodness, she's yeah, she needs a lot of prayer. Yeah, she does. She's not real comfortable with me talking about it over the air like that. But I, I just let the body of Christ know that uh, right. yeah, she's yeah, she needs prayer yeah, more and more. So. Everybody, everybody needs to pray for you guys at one certain time and just pray. Boom, yep. you know. So That's right. Prayer, the prayer is powerful. That's right, it is. Yep. Oh, man, I thought you yawns today. Sorry about that. But you're right. Prayer is <laughs> powerful because it's in the true and living God, not the false God. So, yep. other religions. And there's the music, buddy. we got to go. So... God bless, all right? All right, right, man, God bless. Okay. Hey, folks, we'll be right back after these messages. We'll get to Angel from Utah wants to know why he considered the LDS God to be demonic. I'd be glad to talk to him about that. We'll be right back. Please stay tuned. It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. All right, everyone, welcome back to the show, the last segment of the hour. Let's get on the air with Angel from Utah. Angel, welcome. You're on the air. Hi, thank you. Can you hear me okay? Yes, I can. Yes, you're on. So what do you got? Hi. So I I listen to your show every day because it happens to be on during my travel time from work to pick up my kids from daycare. And so, and I I absolutely love it. But um, my question for you, I'm sorry to bring back something that you did discuss at the beginning of your show today, but um, I actually grew up LDS and I'm not necessarily active in the church. I don't go to church and I've never, I read the Book of Mormon when I was younger, but I do not... um, I follow the Bible and I read the Bible every day and so you were just saying kind of how you that like LDS members worship uh, like basically like a demonic deity or whatever it is and Mm -hmm. so I'm like I I pray every day to God and I do read the Bible and so I'm just like I'm just wondering what makes it like you say that basically I'm worshiping like a demonic deity when it like I actually don't <laughs> I actually don't go to the LDS church but I was baptized and you know from what I was taught is that all Christians worship the same God and that um, Not true. as long as you're following the teachings of well I understand I, I was listening to you earlier but it just I was taught as long as you as long as you're following the teachings of the Bible and like 
that that you are you are following the right god so i'm just i don't know i'm basically just wondering like what makes it that i can be worshiping a demonic entity when i like get down on my knees and pray to pray to god and i do read the bible every day so the god of mormonism is not the god of the bible the god of mormonism is a false god the god of mormonism doesn't exist the god of mormonism is an exalted man from another world who obtained salvation uh, as uh, bruce mcconkey said the father is a glorified perfected resurrected exalted man who worked out his salvation for by obedience to the same laws he's given to us and uh see like i just Sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I just, I just don't understand that because, like, I've always thought like he was, he's a god. He's not a human, and I don't, I don't ever recall being taught in church that he was a man. So it just, oh. it just confuses me because I've always thought that he That's is what, the god, like he's the creator of everything. Well, here's the thing. Mormonism is okay. More, official Mormon theology is antichrist. It's false. It's, it's ungodly. It, it, Joseph Smith was not a true prophet of God. He was involved in the occult. He can prove that he lied about God. We can prove it. There's ways to prove it. But uh, what's happening in Mormonism a lot is they're not talking about their older doctrines. They're trying to sound as Christian as possible, and they're using Christian terms. But in Mormonism, the Trinity is three separate gods. There's a God the Father, another God the Son, another God the Holy Ghost. This is what Mormonism teaches. Right. And that, that's false. There's only one God in all existence. And so they deny the Trinity, and they teach what's called a triad, an office of three gods. Then there's the mother goddess, because God has, uh, he's about six feet tall in Mormonism, and he has relations with his wife in heaven and produces spirit babies, which come out of intelligences from eons past. And, I mean, I can go in. I can go to a lot more. I, I know this pretty well. That's what Mormonism teaches. I, it's fascinating no because... I like obviously like theology fascinates me in general, but I, I just like it's it's just so strange to me to hear the like LDS doctrine being completely different from like my understanding and my knowledge of it. Well, I'm not I'm not disagreeing with you. But I've actually been watching like a lot of videos on Joseph Smith and him being a treasure hunter and all kinds of things that I had I was never taught about, even though I went to church every day when I was younger. So, yeah. but my biggest thing is like. My issue is I want to make sure, like that, like the God of the Bible is like, <laughs> like even though there's a lot of confusion and like it's it's hard to understand, and I'm definitely not as Bible verse versed as you are in, in by any means, but I just I want to make sure I'm not like praying to I I wouldn't want to be praying to like a demonic entity, and I would never have that intention. Well, you need to reject Mormonism flat out repent of it and then you need to understand that the true God has always been God it was never a man on another planet who became a God uh, and that there's not, you don't need secret handshakes in the temple to become a God of your own planet all that is blasphemy all of it is ungodly made up by Joseph Smith so there's a ministry there I don't know where you are in uh, in Utah but I have a, a good friend uh, in a Sandy, and he's Bill McKeever and a good friend, Eric Johnson, and they are experts in Mormonism, and they run a ministry called MRM, Mormonism Research Ministry, dot org, and these guys are the they're, they're the experts of experts. 
So you could contact them. They could tell you a lot. Bill would meet with you. Eric would meet with you. And there's lots of people who are experts in, you know, in that area that you can talk with you. And you can find a good church. I would absolutely love that. Absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm in uh, Boise area. So I'm five and a half hours north. But I'm just saying there's yeah. good people there. <laughs> and so the, okay, you, you, well. could, you could contact them. And they'll tell you. They'll tell the same thing I'm telling you. Uh, and you know because actually with joseph something joseph smith said is what started me studying everything i don't you know i don't get to talk about it very much but so a quote from joseph smith uh what he said is what got me studying everything and uh well he was very smart you can't deny that (laughs) Oh, oh wow you said me smart my wife would oh no that. Oh, yes you you of course too i listen to you every day but i just meant joseph smith was obviously a very intelligent man be it oh, whether okay. he was good or not he was very intelligent <laughs> yeah he was he was likable he was personable and he was a con man and the first anti-mormon book written was in 1834 called mormonism unveiled by ew how h-o-w-e and it's sworn affidavits uh, between judge before judges and magistrates and ministers of the people who knew the Joseph Smith family, and they didn't trust him. They're a con artist. Here, check this out. This is what Joseph Smith said. This is in History of the Church, Volume Six, Page Four Hundred Eight, Four Hundred Nine. A friend of mine, jo- uh, um, Charlie Spine, he's listening. He read me this quote when I first met him, or like I met him a week earlier at Bible study. The next week, he read me this quote. It enraged me. I started studying because of it. This is what Joseph Smith said. God is in the still small voice in all these affidavits, indictments. It is all of the devil, all corruption. Come on, ye prosecutors, you false swears. All hell boil over. You burning mountains roll down your lava, for I will come out on the top at last. I have more to boast of than ever any man had. I'm the only man that has ever been able to keep a whole church together since the days of Adam. A large majority of the whole have stood by me. Neither Paul, John, Peter, nor Jesus ever did it. I boast that no man ever did such a work as I. The followers of Jesus ran away from him, but the Latter-day Saints never ran away from me yet. Wow. Yeah. You just blew my mind. <laughs> that's Joseph Smith. That is. That's what he's. That is. Ins- blasphemy. That's insane. <laughs> it, it is. Wow. How so did you? Is, where did you? Just out of curiosity, where did you find that quote? Oh, it's it's been known. You know, when I studied stuff, uh, teachers who knew far more than me introduced me to this information, other information. You just acquire stuff. I've been doing this for forty three years, so it's you know you just get it from everywhere. But that's uh, in History of the Church, Volume 6, page 408, 409. That quote is what got me started studying what I call apologetics, the defense of the faith. That quote made me mad. And so I said, who is this guy? And Charlie said, well, that's Joseph Smith who said that. I said, well, who's he? And he said, well, he's the founder of Mormonism. And I said, well, Mormons are Christians, but that guy isn't. And he said, no, they're not Christians. I said, yeah, they are. And he said, no, they're not. And I said, what do you mean they're not? And he said, well, they teach God came from another planet. I went, what? You know, Jesus is the brother of the devil. What? You know, what? Where are you getting this? No, that's what they teach. That, that can't that be. That is what I thought you believed, that yeah. Christ and Satan are brothers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So but that's they're not. 
I mean, think about it. I didn't know think that. about it. <laughs> what are the the Greek gods? They have bodies of flesh and bones. They produce offspring. The Greek gods, and they, you have the god of this and the god of that. What is Mormonism? Is he's the god of this world? He has a body of flesh and bones. He has relations with his wife and produce spirit babies. Well, I mean, it, what? So I'll tell you what I what I was taught is that there's God who's the Lord of heaven. And then there's Christ, who is the Lord of the earth. And then there's God the Holy world, Spirit, right? who is the, the spokesperson, basically, yeah. like the voice. So Jesus is the God of this world, right? That's what you're taught? Yeah. It's like, so Jesus is, well, they say Lord. I, okay. Yeah. Let me read you something. Okay, so he's the Lord of this world or the God of this world. Second Corinthians 4, 3 and 4. Even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving, so that they would not see the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. That should shock you. You there? So, so uh, I was speechless for a moment. Um, So, I'm just wondering, so, I mean, would that mean God is the God of all? Would that I mean, I've also been told, like, by other people that Satan basically rules this world. So I'm not, I'm, like, a little There's bit confused a yes about that. And, that's, that's a yes and no. It gets into different eschatological views. Jesus is Lord right now, and and when he returns, the wicked will be taken out of his kingdom. Uh, that's Matthew 13, and, uh, you know, there's more stuff we have to get into and lay some other concepts down before we, you know, put that in the proper perspective. But the God of Mormonism is one of many, 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 many gods that are out there. The Bible says God doesn't even know of any other gods. There aren't any before, none after. The God of Mormonism technically is an alien, a life form from another planet that came to this world, formed this world. He has a goddess wife. So what uh, Mormons do is they worship a god and its mate who are exalted beings from another planet who became so gods. crazy because we're like yeah. we weren't allowed to talk like we weren't allowed to talk about like a heavenly mother so to speak like mm-hmm. it's very banned and forbidden to talk about her in the church yeah and why would that be if that's Which, what they teach see there's a mother I, goddess I that's know. articles of faith by james talmage page 443 it's sold in the bookstores of the christmas they teach it yeah huh yeah, Mormonism is not Christian. Plus, they teach a false gospel. They teach that you have to cooperate well, and with I've God. Actually, I've actually been, um, I, I've actually, when I tried to return to church, I, I, I had questions, and I asked questions, and I actually, um, one of the churches I did, like, there's wards all over the place, especially where I live, but one of them actually asked me not to return because of the questions I was asking. I was just like... But I'm not being, like, blasphemous or anything. Mm -hmm. I'm actually asking genuine, like, wholehearted questions. I'm not trying to be facetious or anything. And (laughs) they actually were like, well, we're just going to ask you not to return. Yeah, because it's a cult. But look, we've got like 15 seconds left, so I want to just tell you. Of course. Look up mrm.org, Mormonism Research Ministry. You can ask for Eric Johnson, Bill McKeever. You can write them, tell them where you are, um, and they can tell you what churches to go to. These guys are the experts of the experts. And they okay, can help well, you thank you so much they're, for you. They're in the area. Okay. Okay, well, God bless, and I really appreciate your show and for you taking some time out to speak with me today. Sure, no problem at all. God bless. 
All right. That was Angel from Utah. Mary from North Carolina. You're going to have to call back on Tuesday, and we can talk about that issue because it's an important one. Sorry about, about that long wait. Hey, everybody. See you on Tuesday. God bless. Bye. Another program powered by the Truth Network.